0: Welcome to guess the year. I'm the host, my name's Mike. Today we've got four deadheads from around the country competing for a $50 gift card to REI and a spot in next week's show. Here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all on video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it, co- after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two Deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. Caleb is back here with us, he's our returning champion, and we're gonna meet the other deadheads shortly. But first, let's get hear the first song, without further ado, The Grateful Dead.
1: Star, everything that's in you, you feel to be your love. Never give your love, my friend. Aren't you a foolish heart? Huh? Aren't you a foolish heart? Huh?
0: song was Foolish Heart and it was played at the Hampton Coliseum in Hampton, Virginia on October 8th, 1989. It was the first of uh, two unannounced performances at the Hampton Coliseum, uh, the second coming the day after. The band was billed as the Warlocks for the shows, which they stopped going as in 1965. Kyle was the closest. Um, Kyle guessed 1990. He is 47 and he's from Chicago. How would you hear that made you guess
2: 1990? You know, I was listening, of course, for like, you know, who's playing keyboard? Like, would it be Vince Ariadne or still Brent? And I figured, yeah, this is probably Brent. And then once Jerry started singing, he didn't sound as thrashed out as he did later. So like with, you know, some of the Jerry stuff, the voice is kind of a, a rough uh, indicator of where it is. But uh, he, he was pretty together in this, so I figured 90.
0: Before we started recording, you told us like an anecdote about a death in the 90s. Um, could you tell us that again?
2: Well, I, I mentioned uh, Chicago being like a, a blessed and cursed town for the band, and, and I had been at Brent's last three shows. And three days later, I'm hanging out at a gas station where my buddy works, and it's like, you know, the middle of the night, and uh, he's got the radio on, and we're listening to The Dead, and some dude comes in, and he's like paying for his gas, and he goes, oh yeah, great band, too bad the guy OD'd and walks out. And we just look at each other like, who's he talking about? We are like, does he mean pig pen? Like he I guess drank himself to death. So uh, we were very confused. And of course it's pre-internet so you couldn't just like Google it and figure it out. You know, We had to go the rest of the night wondering what the hell the dude at the gas station was talking about. And then the next day we, we heard the news and it was like just crazy. Cause we literally just saw him some three days in a row, three days before that.
0: Very, very pre-internet phenomenon there. Kyle, thank you so much. You move on to the next round. Caleb, Kyle, and Kevin, you guys all guessed 1993. Um, you're all safe. You're all going to the next round, but we do want to meet everyone. We'll start with our returning champ, Caleb. He's 28. He's from St. Louis. Caleb, what'd you hear there?
3: You know, it's funny that <clears throat> Kyle caught that that was early on, earlier on because Jerry's voice was a little more intact. That was the first thing to me that I thought, man, Jerry sounds pretty rough. So that's why I thought it was a 93. I also thought that synth tone was Vince. Um, You know, Brent is pretty, pretty distinct. Um, But I guess when they did Foolish Heart, he did have that that real kind of synthy sound on that. So, um, you know, once you get into the late 80s and and 90s, it's uh, it's splitting hairs for sure.
0: And Caleb, you told us last week that you got into the dead through Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, with was some co-workers. And I had heard of the Grateful Dead. I knew Touch of Grey. I think I knew Casey Jones, maybe. Um, but this would have been in 2017, maybe, 2018. Uh, some co-workers invited me to Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers. And I was like, ah, sure, you know, I love live music was at the pageant. If you've ever been to St. Louis, the pageant is kind of the premier, like, indoor, uh, smaller to midsize act venue. And uh, got on the bus there and, and never looked back. He played two gin, uh, which is is kind of a, a rarity to hear. So it's
0: cool. Well, welcome back, Caleb. Also joining us is Paul, who also guessed 1993. Paul is 53, and he's from Salem, Oregon. Paul, when did uh, you get into the dead?
4: Well, I, I saw my first show in uh, 1988 at Long Beach Arena and uh, just going to a rock concert, just thinking it was going to be, I was into Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, all the, some, some hardcore punk type stuff, but all my friends just loved the dead. So I tagged along and, and it was awesome. I saw about 45 shows then until uh, 94.
0: Wow. 45 shows. Um, so you must have really just like kind of turned it into a lifestyle during the summers, at least.
4: Oh, right after that first show, that was my lifestyle.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. How did you like manage to scrape by when you were on the road during that time?
4: Well, I usually, I, I never went on a full tour, but I would see like three to five shows at a time. So I always had part-time jobs, full-time jobs, took some classes in college. So I just incorporated that into my lifestyle at the time. And no uh, Ticketmaster fees back then, which helps. No, that's that's true. I did like the uh, Grateful Dead ticket sales. It was always awesome getting those messages and then sharing the news with your friends because of course, back then, you'd have to pay long distance fees. So you had to be a detailed note taker when they were listing the tours. Love that.
0: Um, Kevin, you also guessed 1993. You're also safe. You're going to the next round. Uh, Kevin is a 48 year old from Williamsburg. Kevin, how'd you get into the dead?
5: Yeah, first of all, my apologies. I got the Hampton show wrong. I should be embarrassed. It's 20 minutes from making the thing. Uh, I got into the dead around 83. And so my older brothers were one guy was a Zeppelin guy, one guy was, was a Doors guy. And I was always more heavier, like Sabbath and that sort of thing. But I remember going to a flea market when they used to have those. And I saw a dead shirt and I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I got the shirt, and then I went to the ticket booth. Matter of fact, I still have the record. I I, I brought props if that's okay. And I bought I bought this exact one, and I threw it on my turntable, and I was like, "Whoa!" And uh, after that, to use Caleb's turn, I got on the bus, and uh, and you know, it's no one, my buddies, no real deadheads around me. Um, but the interesting thing about the dead is over the years my love for them has gotten deeper. It hasn't gotten boring. It's gotten deeper and there's always new threads and rabbit holes to go down. So, um, when I heard about this show, I was super excited. So thank you for having me and putting this together.
0: Amazing. Uh, so glad you're here, Kevin. Thanks so much. All right. Everyone's still in the game. Let's play song number two.
1: Just a little red rooster Too lazy to crow for day Keep everything in the barnyard, people Upset in every way Dogs begin to bark now Hounds begin to howl. Dogs begin to bark now. And the hounds begin to howl. Watch out, street cat people. Red Roosters
0: on the prowl. All right. The picks are in. Um, the song was little red rooster. It was played at the Oakland auditorium on December 30th, 1981. Uh, that night was part of a five night new year's run at the Oakland auditorium. Uh, the dead did three sets that night and the entire third set, they were accompanied by Joan Baez, who sang a really, really, really good, uh, me and Bobby McGee. Incredible. Um, Caleb and Kyle uh, both nailed 1981. Caleb, let's start with you. What'd you hear?
3: Honestly, man, that, that was a little bit of dumb luck with that one. I, you know, Little Red Rooster is one of those songs that they played starting in like 79 or 80, I think, and played it all the way almost through, you know, Bobby's still playing it today. So there's a wide range. I mean, the only thing that I kind of thought was, Bobby's voice was really strong, sounded really strong. Not that he had dealt with the same thing that Jerry did where it got, you know, worse through the 90s, but it was sounding really sharp. Um, obviously, you got that Brent uh, kind of chunky organ. Um, it's kind of a shot in the dark, honestly, but um,
0: I'm glad I went where I did. Kyle, you also guessed 1981. Was it a shot in the dark as well? I'm guessing it was not.
2: Yeah no i mean all of those points uh brent's keyboard it's like pretty much just sound of like the dead set version so like that era that was october of 80 but also bob's guitar he was playing the ibanez still the cowboy guitar he hadn't switched to like the modulus which for like guitar nerds you can kind of like you know what he's playing bob's guitars sound different jerry's jerry's had a more consistent uh you know Doug Irwin made like the perfect Jerry guitar, you know, even like between Wolf and Tiger, hearing the difference is trickier. Whereas the modulus and the Ibanez versus Bob's ES-335, it's fucking easy.
0: Um, I'm instrumentally kind of illiterate. What What are you listening for that gives it away?
2: Just the sound of the guitar. Um, so like in the late 80s, we played a modulus. It was, it was known for having a graphite neck, but it was very like, electronic y like you know if you listen to those late 80s shows his his chords like ring out in a certain way uh it's a unique sound if you listen to that compared to the to the cowboy guitar the ibanez it just sounds different if you did like a split screen you know you would be like yeah those totally sound different and then the the hollow body the 335 that he played prior to that that sounds different as well
0: thanks kyle for explaining all that that's amazing um Paul, you guessed 1983, you are safe. Kevin, I'm so sorry to say you were eliminated with your guess of 1977. Uh, what threw you for a loop there?
5: Well, I wanted to take it back the second I typed it because then I heard the keys come in. I knew that wasn't Keith, but I was committed at that point. Um, I was struggling with it because that's, to Kayla's point, it's one of those songs they've been playing forever um and you know you're trying to listen okay is it one drummer is it two drummers what i what i settled on was just the sound of the production and like i said as soon as i heard it that i heard the keys i knew i wasn't in the 70s anymore my only hope was somebody was a little further off but well done boys
0: well kevin thank you so much for playing really really appreciate it uh paul and kyle you guys are now fighting for two spots in the final round best of three series let's play the song
1: Through the sky. Feel a crap that woman. I'm mm-hmm. you, big river. Yeah, I'm gonna sit Latin right Latin. here until I die. Well, I met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota. Toward me up every time I heard her draw that Southern draw. And I heard my dream went back downstream, commoting down the pole. So I followed you, big river, when you called. Don't got weaving, Willow. got yeah, a Lord, cry, cry, cry the clouds and a cover of a clear blue sky. Please cry for that woman. We're going to flood you, big river. I'm a going to sit right here tonight.
0: try to keep these clips to like a minute and 30 seconds the song clips but that solo I just couldn't cut I just couldn't do it I tried I tried to find a go earlier and find a spot to cut it couldn't cut it it's just too amazing and I'm also like hey I run this show you know I could I can make it a little longer no one's gonna you know come through the doors and arrest me so there you have it okay um it was Big River uh at the Warfield in San Francisco on March 31st 1983 it was a Johnny Cash cover. It is a Johnny Cash cover. Uh, it first appeared in the Dead Repertoire on New Year's Eve 1971. And for reference, the big river of mention is the Mississippi River, which is indeed a fairly large river. Paul, you were closest. You guessed 1985. What'd you hear?
4: Well, Jerry's voice was getting pretty rough. And I think 85 uh, was kind of the the peak year for uh, Jerry's rough vocals, but also that ripping guitar. I think we all know 85 was pretty awesome for, uh, in general, for playing, um, musicianship. I think everything was awesome except for Jerry's voice. And that's definitely what I noticed.
0: Yeah. Um, do you shy away from the eighties because of Jerry's voice?
4: You know, that's, that's a great point. I tend to kind of stay away from that era of the eighties for the most part. I love 89, um, 88 is great, Um, some of the early 80s stuff, but I generally tend to stay away from that mid-80s time period. Um, You know, the new box set, the Madison Square Garden is pretty cool, though that's kind of introduced me to some early 80s that I was really, really more than impressed with. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did.
0: Kevin, great work, you're on to the next round. Caleb and Kyle, you guys both guessed 1976, so you're both on in the next round again. Um Kyle, uh, what'd you hear that made you want to guess 1976?
2: So this one was tough. I I was I kind of went all over the place on this one. Uh the it was piano, so I was thinking Keith, and the guitar was sounded like the alligator. So I was thinking like earlier 70s. Uh, but then I'm like, there's too much drumming going on. It's gotta be a second drummer. But I'm like, it's still upbeat, it's not super heroined out yet. So I just was like, fuck it, 76. They came back from break and had some energy. Way off. I can see it. Caleb, what'd you hear?
3: I'm I'm right there with you, Kyle. I mean, that, that one threw me for a loop. I heard that piano and thought, Keith, thought I heard maybe two drummers. You know, they were getting into that when they were recording Terrapin Station and the producer had them just doing like drum drills where they were really on with each other. Um, but... Uh, Paul pointed out. I mean, Jerry's voice is a dead giveaway there, and that's what I struggled with. Was he had a couple of valleys in his voice? You know, obviously at the end and in the mid '80s. But I thought I remembered them coming out of the hiatus year '75 with Jerry having some vocal problems as well. But I might have made that up. So, um Saved by the Bell, me and uh, me and Kyle, <laughs> and the fact that we both guessed
0: '76. All right, well we're still trying to get it down to a final two. Let's play the next song.
1: gonna to
0: song um i must have been getting loose when i edited these things um not fade away boston garden it was september 25th 1991 it was part of dick's pick 17 the show started with a help slip not franklin's tower and also actually had one of my favorite combinations in the second set a nice throwing stones into not fade away the encore was quinn the eskimo kylan caleb you both got it right. 1991. We'll start with Caleb. How did you diagnose that? couple things.
3: Um, you've got that big, big clanging piano keys right along with the synth, kind of trading solos back and forth. So that that tells me Bruce Hornsby and uh, Vince Wellnick right away. And then in, in the chorus, obviously the, the group vocals, you don't get that. Brent... Uh, ever so specific vocal quality uh so you knew it wasn't a Brent ear so yeah that that screamed 91 to me
0: Kyle you also guess 1991 nailed it walk us through how you figured that one out
2: uh the, identifying the dueling keyboards you know Vince had that like I, I call it the like weird carnival whatever keyboard organ sound he used and Bruce as well and I knew that narrowed it down you know, 91 pretty much being right in the middle of that possibility range. And they were still upbeat, like they hadn't gotten, uh, slow, you know, a lot of my dead selections are based just on speed and how kind of out of it they are, how like into it they are. At that point, they were still pretty into it, 91. When do you think
0: they stopped being into it as much?
2: I mean, Jerry, whenever he relapsed was a part of it, but then I think uh Bruce leaving, you know, I think, Bruce was a good like uh, buffer. Vince wasn't like the best pick in the world. I mean, they had some really serious keyboard players preceding Vince. It's not his fault, but you know, Brent and Keith are really hard, you know, people to walk uh, behind, you know, they set a very high bar for him, but I think Bruce diffused the energy. They liked him being around like he was a fun uh, person to have in the mix.
0: Has anyone ever met a Vince truther? like someone who thought Vince was the best piano player in the, the dead's history.
3: I wouldn't say the best, but I'm, I mean, he's got value, you know, he's got, he's got some of those, uh, the three or four times that they played Ruben and Sharice, which is my favorite all time song. Uh, Vince really brings those home. I mean, those Ruben and Sharice versions without the, the Vince outro keyboard. I mean, it just wouldn't be the same without him.
2: And if I, I do say so, uh,
4: oh, sorry, Kyle. I was just gonna say it seemed like Vince really uh, helped them to introduce a lot of that late era song selection. Here comes sunshine. That was a big one that I think he lobbied for. Um, so he really did. He kind of had his back against the wall when he wasn't able to choose a lot of his keyboard tones. I think it was was it Bob Braylove. Um, that was choosing a lot of the tones, but man, he sure seemed to be having a good time up there.
0: Paul, that actually does bring us to you. I'm super sorry. You are eliminated because you guessed 1993 hate to see you go. would you hear?
4: Well, I, I heard the dueling keyboards, but I, Jerry's voice just sounded so rough. And I did see a lot of shows in 91, and that threw me a lot, threw me off a little bit. And I thought you might've tricked us with one of the, one of the Bruce fill-ins in like 92, 93. So I, I out thought it, I definitely, uh, Kyle and Caleb nailed it. That
0: is a great idea. I'm going to file
4: that away in my little trick
0: filing cabinet. Um, Paul, you were great. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, it was nice
4: to see all you guys. It was a lot of fun.
0: All right. We are now in a best of 3 series between Kyle and Caleb. Let's play the song.
1: Will this job I-
0: The song was it on down the line. It was performed at the Selen Arena in Fresno, California on July 19th, 1974. Um, It was a wall of sound show. Started out with a 10-minute Keith heavy jam. It also featured a standalone Scarlet Begonias and a 30-minute playing in the band. Caleb and Kyle, you guys both guessed 1973. Kyle, we'll start with you. What would you think?
2: I think that for a dude who just started listening to the dead with Wolf brothers, you're really fucking good, dude. <laughs> cause like I just got to see him in the eighties. Like I have no excuse to suck at this game, but you, on the other hand, I'm very impressed. Thank you. I listened to little else. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my thought was just, you know, single drummer. Uh, it wasn't 72 cause we probably would have had some pig pen on it. So that narrowed it down to three or four. And I thought, you know, for my for such an obvious pick sometimes for, for the dad, it's like their banner year so i thought you might have just thrown a, a slight curveball with a 73 the oft overlooked 73
0: all right well it's still zero zero in the series let's play the next song you wow. Right, the picks are in. It's war Frat, the Richmond Mosque at VCU on May 25th, 1977. Um, it was later renamed the Richmond Theater. It's a small theater on VCU's campus that also hosts the Richmond Symphony and once hosted Jimi Hendrix. Caleb, you were closer, you guessed 1978. Walk us through how you got there. <clears throat>
3: My favorite Warfrat, Rat, and in my opinion, the best, uh, 7878 at Red Rocks, and this one sounded very similar to that one. You got that big, big fill bass bombs going on. Jerry's voice sounded great. I mean, that that one, Warfrat Rat really hit stride in... In the late 70s, 78, 79, Um, you know, other than that, it was just kind of a grab bag trying to trying to grab at
0: something. That Red Rocks show has my favorite Bertha ever. It was the opener and I play it whenever I'm driving around in a really, really good mood.
3: If you ask me my favorite show,
0: maybe one
3: time out of five, I'll tell you that it's that one. Mm -hmm. so it's in my rotation of of favorite shows hardly a miss on it
0: Kyle you guess 1974 very close what would you think
2: well I I was listening for double drummers and I just wasn't hearing a second drummer I was like there were some points where the speeds kind of jumped a little bit so I wasn't sure what was going on there and then Jerry just played a particularly inspired riff at the beginning very creative and just like He fucking nails. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on this. I apologize. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. fire away, of course. The dead podcasts have certain standards. He just played it. It was so inspired, and like the more inspired, the sort of earlier I think it is. Um, Even though like '77 and stuff has that like legendary uh, reputation, I think they really like peaked in a lot of ways in '74 because they were playing nonstop for like a decade at that point. And then they take a year and a half off and they came back and they were a different band, you know, like they kind of mellowed. There was like a groove to it.
0: All right, Caleb is up one zero in the series. If he wins this, then he retains his title. Let's hear the song. I think we've got a little rivalry forming here. Um, Caleb immediately shot me the correct date on the messaging system. And Kyle came in more towards the end. And I thought Caleb had it. And then Kyle, boom, clutch, comes up with the correct date as well. It is, he's gone in Veneta, Oregon on August 27th, 1972. They both got it. Um, the show is was made into a documentary, Sunshine Daydream. Uh, It was shot there, and the documentary didn't come out until 2013. So it played at small festivals, but not an official release for many, many decades. Caleb, uh, you sent me the exact date of the concert. Is that one you especially like?
3: I mean, if I had a gun for every time I heard that, he's gone I could arm a town the size of Abilene. That is that is the show, in my opinion. Veneta, Oregon, August 27, 72. That is that's the greatest live performance in history. Um, yeah, I've listened to that show one or two times.
0: <laughs> wow, so not just your favorite dead show, your favorite show ever.
3: I I just think it's... It's everything you could want from a musical performance. It's fast. It's fun. It goes absolutely crazy. I mean, the playing in the band and the dark star on that show are, you know, pieces of art, truly.
0: Kyle, you correctly guessed 1972 as well. Got it in right at the wire. Talk to us
2: yeah i i knew it right away uh 72 i just was hesitant to uh enter it until you know pretty much the jeopardy music was ending uh for all of the reasons he stated but just the sonic uh sound of bob and his guitar was uh 72 it's just one of those like weird quirks where you're like oh yeah yeah that one 72.
0: All right, it's still 1-0 Caleb. Caleb still needs one more win. Kyle needs two. I've got plenty of songs in the library. Let's keep it going.
1: Than the men never way that's right. Right. that's right the women are smarter the women are smarter that's right the women are smarter
0: women are smarter that's a right. that's right all right their picks are in it was man smart woman smarter it was performed at the civic arena in pittsburgh pennsylvania on april 2 1989 the song was added to the Dead's Arsenal in 1981 as a cover, um, and they sang it right through 1995. Um, other people who covered were Joan Baez, The Carpenters, Rose Ink, Cash, and Chubby Check. Kyle, nice work. You guessed 1989 exactly. You even the series at one piece. Walk us through how you got there.
2: Honestly, it was Brent catching that verse. Uh... You know, that was not done in the earlier years. At first, I was like, oh, they're really on maybe 87, 88. But once I heard Brent sing that line, I was like, all right, it's 89.
0: So, what do you mean by that? So, it was him
2: um, s- singing the verse at all the way he sang it? I don't know. Like, for some reason, him taking that verse right there, I don't mm. remember him taking that in years previous. Like, he started doing that, I believe. And Just I might fact be completely that he wrong. Sang it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Caleb, you guessed 1988. You had the right idea. There's something really to correct there. Um, but what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point I hadn't thought of that that Kyle brought up and, you know, kind of a blind spot for me. I guess I didn't realize that Brent kind of didn't really take his own verses until it was a little bit later on. And the thing with that song is you never know until somebody starts singing if it's man smart, woman smarter, or if it's Ico Ico. <laughs> so I was waiting. I was I was waiting for Jerry to come in and say, you know, your spot boy and my spot boy, but
0: uh, caught me off guard. So, all right, game three, rubber match. Let's see who brings home the gift card.
1: Baby, torn it apart, and you left for me standing in the dark, crying. Said your love for me was dying So come on, baby, baby, please.
4: A little old man in the middle of the night and i need you baby to make things all right i so said
1: come on baby baby please and i'm begging you baby because i'm on my knees turn on your light let it shine on me turn on your love light let it shine on me hey all right you guys both got
0: it it was 1969 <laughs> Your Lovelight, fillmore west february 28th 1969 um the show is featured in the fillmore west 1969 complete recordings had a really great uh dark star saint stephen william tell it's the 11 uh caleb will start with you how did you get there
3: um there was a couple moments of of pretty lively pig pen organ um i mean he kept that going through 70 and, and 71 for sure but There was just a snippet, maybe 8-10 seconds there, where I was like, man, this is pretty primal, like primal dead. Um, So I was going to say 70, but I went 69, because I also thought it sounded like the one on um, Live Dead, the the Live Dead double LP, the one with the red cover. Um, And that one's from
2: 69, I believe.
5: Kyle, what were your thoughts? same
2: same general idea uh i thought about 70 as well but i was like it sounds more basically live dead version
0: all right we're still tied still looking for a winner let's play the next song the picks are in and we do have a winner now. Um, But first, the song is Jack Um, It was performed in Hartford, Connecticut on March 19th, 1990. Jack is considered the world's oldest song about cross-dressing. The original version could be traced back to 1800s England. The dead changed up the lyrics, but the song is still about Um, (laughs) cross-dressing. This was a huge battle And there are no losers here, but I will say, Kyle, you guessed 1989 and you were closer. You
2: are a new champion. Congratulations.
0: (laughs) Walk us through what you heard.
2: Uh, It was the combination of Brent's keyboards and, and Bob's guitar. It just screamed that era 89, 90, they're, they're pretty much overlapping and sort of sonic, uh, So I knew it was one or the other, and I figured you already did an 89, and you might try to throw us by doing another 89 by uh, forcing us to overthink.
0: Well, congratulations, man. That was truly, truly impressive. Caleb, a valiant effort, a valiant title defense. How do you feel about your time as King of Guests of the Year? And also, how do you feel about this song in particular?
3: Uh, It's funny. Jack is a song that I didn't really care for when I first got into the dead, and, and my buddy Steve who has kind of been my my guide through the world of the Grateful Dead, just told me straight up, you're an idiot. You're a moron. <laughs> and he's so right. I mean, you know, it took it took a couple of years, but definitely hearing some of these versions, he was right. But um, yeah, pleased to be part of the show. Uh, it will not be my last time. I'll be back. Believe that for sure at some point, but tournament uh, of
2: champions, uh, you know,
3: <laughs> tournament of champions. That's right. uh But but Kyle was exactly right. I had 1990 typed into the chat box too, and I thought, you know what? I think this sounds a little bit earlier. I went 88, but if I if I won last week on an old traditional Peggio, it's only fitting that I that I am taken out this week with an old traditional as well.
0: What a lovely button. Um, all right, for everyone listening at home, subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, for show updates, follow us on at Guest of the Year on, I'm sorry, at Guest of the Year Show on Instagram. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show or make comments, ask questions, email us at Guest the Year Show at gmail.com. Um, thanks so much for listening. For the fun facts about the show, I relied heavily on Dead.net and Grateful Dead of the Day. Uh, and their commenters. Uh, So thank you to them. And thank you to the amazing tapers whose recordings made the show possible. Congratulations to our new champion, Kyle. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyways.
1: Good Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night.